Hi, everyone, and welcome to our very first episode of INV Unfiltered, uh, the new podcast on what's new and intriguing in fintech and beyond. Uh, this new podcast comes from INV Fintech, which is the global fintech accelerator run in partnership with Fiserv, uh, the global banking technology company, and eight banks, which uh, includes U.S. Bank and BB&T. My name is J.J. Hornblass. I'm the principal of INV Fintech, and I'm going to be hosting this uh, new monthly podcast, although I imagine there will be uh, others from the INV Fintech team uh, who will chip in from time to time. I hope this podcast will be both enlightening and thought-provoking and, all right, maybe a little entertaining as well. We'll have guests from across the technology and financial world to talk out key fintech issues and opportunities. We'll post these episodes at invunfiltered.com, so you could check that out. I'd also uh, love to hear from you. You could always email me at hornblast at invglobal.co. If you want to learn more about the INV Fintech Accelerator, of course, please visit invfintech.com. Also, before we get to our first guest, I wanted to urge you to attend Bank Innovation 2017 on March 6 to 7 in Silicon Valley. INV is a participant in INV uh, uh, in Bank Innovation 2017, and details can be found at bankinnovation.info. This inaugural episode of INV Unfiltered features my friend Leo Sherman, who's head of Banco Sofisa Diretto, the direct bank of Sao Paulo, Brazil based Banco Sofisa, which is a financial institution partner to INV Fintech. Before joining Banco Sofisa, uh, Leo worked at Citigroup and was previously CEO of the financial management firm PortoCred, and I'm so pleased to have him here uh, with us today. Leo, how you doing? I'm great, JJ. Thanks a lot for having me. It's a pleasure to join you here in this new format. Good. Good, good. Well, we're excited to speak with you. Um, I wanted to, before you introduce uh, Banco Sofisa Diretto, um, I wanted to uh, ask you to please uh, give us a little bit of a background on, on, on the bank and uh, really the direct bank that's a part uh, of uh, Banco Sofisa. Sure. Um, hi everybody. Uh, Banco Sofisa Direto is um, is, uh, is a, a pioneer of online banking in Brazil. It was first launched in 2011, when there was no talk of um, a pure online play in the market here. The model was based pretty much on what ING Direct was accomplishing already in the U.S. by then, and tried to bring to the market something that would, by means of um, streamlining all the processes and automating uh, things that uh, couldn't possibly be automated at the point on a, on a model based on branches, bring down the margins and be able to pass through value to the customers. Um, we've been true to this model, and uh, we have so far 
try to expand this into a broader offer, uh, always with the, the goal of passing through value to the customer. So all we do here is try to get the best out of new technologies and uh, systems so that the customer could benefit for, uh, from a, a better offer. Banco so Sofisa, in the recent sorry, past, sorry, in, in the recent yeah. past, has seen some of the other banks trying to uh, jockey for a position in the market, but uh, we have remained a uh, significant player in the online arena. Sorry, JJ, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. And so uh, the parent bank is publicly traded. Uh, I think the market cap right now is around 180 million. Correct. Yeah, we're in the process of actually closing capital and uh, getting delisted. That's uh, a movement that all of the meat banks in Brazil did, uh, mostly due to the um, illiquid nature of the, the markets for the kind of companies. But we remained a company um, with a compass for good governance and disclosure of main indicators. So. That's about it. The, the market cap that you mentioned is, yeah. is about right. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that we uh, that you mentioned to me, Leo, when we were preparing for this is you talked about this idea of simplicity in financial services. Tell what what exactly did, do you mean by that when you talk about simplicity in banking? What is, what is it that you're talking about and how have you tried to incorporate that or maybe have, are still trying to incorporate that into um, Banco Sofita Diretto? Right. Well, there are uh, two or three main aspects of simplicity that we try to bring to, to the center of what we do here. Um, the first one is, is, um, is about cost, right? Remaining uh, simple uh, helps a lot. Uh, and avoiding complexity is a major component of not creating an inefficient machine. And when you are efficient, you can pass a lot of the savings to the customer. So that's the first point. Yeah. Second is around the customer experience. And actually, um, what you know appears to be simple to the end customer might involve a lot of work, a lot of effort, and uh, and in investments to bring to the customer a very intuitive experience. So uh, for this coming year of 2017, we have included as part of our goals a reduction in the number of steps the customer have to have to make any transactions. So, so this is embedded in the way that we do business and the way that we um, actually build our experience to the end customer. So and the you, third point... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, the third point is, is, is actually communication. You know, uh, taking care of your finances are, is not something that comes easily for everybody. So helping to demystify um, management of personal finance, especially in Brazil, is something, it's a big, it's a big component of what we try to do here. Translating what the customers, uh, the, the anxieties the customer might have when dealing with his or her uh, money is a, an important uh, part of the, of the work that we do here. So this, this reduction of steps, Leo, so like what is a, you know, it's interesting, one of the INV companies is, is developing a V2.0 of its service, 
And so we've been focused a lot on on the sign-up protocol for V2 and what's required. And that they're on they're kind of on the investment side. Um, how many steps is you know what? So what would be the goal for you in terms of the number of steps? And I understand you know even reducing one is significant, but like how many? is really, you know, your end goal for, let's say, a new customer sign-up protocol? Well, our goal, and, I, and this is a bit of a joke, but it's, it's try to put a north into what we do, is to have a telepathic transaction, right? I mean, the customer <laughs> even, even have to even have to uh, uh, really go and tell you exactly what he or she wants. It, it will actually takes nothing, zero steps to accomplish that. And that being an utopia, we try to, 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 to first benchmark us against the markets. Uh, you know, the regula regulation is an important bit, uh, an important constraint for that. So for every transaction, you have different, um, different number of steps that you want to reduce. Um, but basically, you want everything to be within two or three steps and not more than that, because otherwise the customer will already find it difficult to, to, to become recurrent in terms of that transaction with the bank. Mm -hmm. And so how, like, how are you, what, what's, some, what's a way um, that, maybe give an example of, a, of kind of a, an elimination of a step. Like how, did, how were you able to, reduce some, uh, and, and whatever part of the transaction, whether it's on the underwriting side or uh, the sign-up side, just curious to see where, where you know, what was an example of, of a step reduction? I'll, I'll give you an example. When I first started here a year ago, we were asking for documents uh, on the customer side that could easily be searched in public databases. And, um, you know, the the... the the paradigm was that the customer would feel that it was a very invasive thing uh, to have all her data obtained through different uh, means and sources. And, and this is something that we challenged and we tested and we saw a tremendous surge in uh, customer satisfaction when we reduced the amount of information that we were asking the customer to, to put in in the application form and reduce it to the bare minimum just to make sure that confirm and also take care of it on the security side that the customer we're dealing with, authenticating the customer to seeing that she was really uh, who she was saying that she was. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, that was basically getting rid of unnecessary documents that we were asking, like proof of residence or things like that. You have to challenge, what are you going to use this for, right? Because processes, they tend to um, create their own life. And if you don't constantly challenge those, you end up with a process that is completely meaningless uh, for you and, of course, for the customer. What's, it, what's the regulatory environment like in Brazil? Um, it is difficult, but um, I think there is a uh, um, – the willingness is there to accommodate for fintechs and new ways of doing business. So. Um, the central bank is playing catch-up on a lot of different things, but I think they're very open to the idea that things are going to change. Just recently, they issued a new piece of regulation um, ruling about um, the digital banks and the digital opening of accounts, and it's pretty reasonable. Of course, that brings a lot of learning to the market because um, where you had a, a wall 
in terms of security that uh, built, you now have a very porous um, net, and uh, you allow and even invite fraudsters to try new methods uh, on a new environment. It's um, so. So the regulation, the, regulator, the, the regulators are careful not to spoil the, uh, you know, the, not to really to kill the the, the kid that's growing mm -hmm. up. But uh, at the same time, very concerned about the overall security of the system. But would they get into, would they care, for example, about uh, the proof of residence, va uh, you know, validation? Does it, do they get, because I, I think regulators here in the U.S., they would. They would get pretty specific, especially in certain facets of financial services. I mean, would they care whether or not you eliminated that that verification uh, within your sign-up process, for example? With this new piece of regulation, I have to uh, pay my respects to them. They, <laughs> they, advanced, they advanced a lot. Leo, and this is in the first in the world, paying respects I, to I banking regulators. <laughs> I, you know, you ha we have, to, we have to, to give Caesar what Caesar's. I mean, we have to yeah. admit that these guys are doing, going in the right direction. Um, and 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 I think um, you know it, it was a major effort um, on, on an internal um, uh, central bank. Can, can you imagine them, themselves justifying themselves with the with, with the with the their constituents, you know, and and yeah. uh, and trying to take the risk of allowing um, databases to be consulted in lieu of the provision of. Um, of physical documents, it is a big step, and I have to right. admit that. Yeah, um, you know, they, uh, it, it, it's interesting that you know I was looking at uh, fintech in Brazil, uh, just kind of trying to familiarize myself with what's going on there. Um, I read a, a stat that thirty, thirty. Th these are the top three categories of fintech investment in Brazil. Um, Payments and remittances, that's not so surprising, 31% mm -hmm. of fintech startups. Um, but number two was enter enterprise financial management, 15% of total startups. And, and the point was that collections was an important sub-segment within this category. So first of all, you know, uh, enterprise financial management seems like a, you know, I don't, I don't, that, that's a, that's an interesting, you know, focus. It's a catch-all definition. Yeah. yeah, but the collection side uh, sort of struck me, and I know you know there's it's an interesting lending market, Brazil, and I know it's something that you uh, care a lot about and have a have a, a lot of curi you know you're very intrigued by. Um, what's the lending market like in Brazil, and what is kind of fin what can fintech do or What's the opportunity for fintech there? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, starting uh, with the first point on the collections. I mean, collections always has been um, something um, that um, people would tend to throw money and, and bodies into the problem to solve it, uh, as opposed to investing in technology to maximize efficiency. Because um, labor was traditionally so... Um, inexpensive in Brazil compared to other parts in the world, that mm -hmm. the, the tendency was to have overcapacity and uh, try to avoid losses 
um, with um, just more people. Uh, the reality changed when you started to first have a uh, labor costs really um, um, grew in the recent past, especially motivated by a judicial system that would um, welcome, uh, I'm not sure whether this is the right word, but uh, allow mm -hmm. for a lot of labor uh, demands, um, meaning uh, a, a lot of uh, torts, uh, suits and uh, and and um, and the cost being borne by the companies that we're collecting. So, this really um, opened the space for new technologies and companies that would try to reduce the traditional uh, labor-intensive environment of collections to a more intelligence-driven um, kind of solution. Mm -hmm. So, this is the first beat, right? And in the credit front, is not uh, it, it's a it's a very interesting marketing uh, market, as you said. First, because um, interest rates are really um, astronomical here in Brazil, and uh, makes one wonder how could you possibly lose money on a market that charges 10 to 15 percent a month on interest rates, right? A month. Um, and the, a month. I'm, I'm kidding, exactly, uh, depending on the product. Of course, you have different uh, markets and different uh, products, but it's, it's very high compared to any, any bar benchmark. And, and you have a lot of inefficiencies that are embedded in the system. One of them is linked to labor. The other one, taxes. The third one, credit losses. Um, but still, you have opportunities to direct uh, credit to segments that haven't been able to tap into um, on the credit market. And, and this is part of why it explains why uh, interest rates are so high. There's a lot of inefficiencies and distortions in the market favoring a certain group to be able to get credit, and a certain group would be disprovided of this um, service, mainly because information is very asymmetric. We do not have a positive bureau here. And we're, uh, although we, we, we have a pretty disseminated credit culture, the repayment of credit, uh, you have a lot of different mechanisms to, to allow this, but you don't have an organized market like in the U.S. and Europe, where ACH is a main source of, uh, uh, you know, uh, reinsurance to the, to the, the creditor that he's gonna, she's going to have the money back. So, so this, this is, there are the two points that you can work as a credit fintech in the information front and in the repayment bit, I mean, in the collection side. So that's, that's, that's where the main opportunities are. So where, so for, for, for uh, Sofisa Diretto, uh, so how are you kind of approaching lending? What, what innovations have you, you know, where's your focus? How have you, what's your spin on it, I guess, Leo? Right. Uh, we, we define innovation in a very broad way. It doesn't need to be tech only, but it needs to be um, a situation in which we bring something new to the market, right? It, mm -hmm. it might not even be something that didn't exist before, but it has to be something done in a way that it, it, it brings novelty to the market. And, and in, in Brazil, you have this market with very high rates for people um, getting credit, individuals using, uh, you know, either be it on personal loans or credit cards or um, overdrafts. And it's 
the use of your house as equity for uh, a loan is not a very disseminated concept here. So we came up with a product that's basically a home equity product, totally um, done remotely um, online, uh, where the main barriers, uh, you know, all the bureaucracy of gathering documents uh, or applying for a loan with your officer is uh, replaced with a very user-friendly interface that only requires the customer to sign up in the end when we can send somebody to his or her house and get the final signature. So it's a very streamlined process, and it's a refreshing approach compared to what we had in the market. And, um, and it allows the customer to pay, you know, 1% of uh, interest rates uh, of interest rate a month as opposed to the 15, 10 to 15. Of course, you might say, like, this is still huge compared to the U.S., but you have to bear in mind cost of funds in Brazil is pretty different as well as you have the, those that you find abroad. Right, so it's, so, it's how, very so how is this how is this going for you, Leo? Like when did you when did you really kick it off in earnest? And we have just started end of last year, and we still um, volumes are uh, are still uh, kicking up, and um, we've seen actually a result that was much beyond our initial expectations. People love the service and the fact that they can get the money. In, uh, in a reasonable amount of time compared to what they had in, in, in here because it was an all-paper-based process and the customer used to have to wait two to three months to get the money in the bank. Um, it's, it's really something that is encouraging for us. So we're very bullish on, on this product. Okay. The, the, I, I was looking in... The, the, these are the four startups that um, appear to have raised the most venture funding in Brazil, these are the four Brazilian startups, excuse me, that have raised the most venture funding over the last few years. So um, tell me, you know, so what I'm bringing them up to you, I want, I'm I'm curious to know whether, which of these is doing something that you find particularly interesting. So uh, the startups are Nubank, Guio Bolso, I might mm-hmm. be pronoun- mispronouncing that. Forgive you're me. right. You're right there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Bidu and mm-hmm. Bank Facile. Mm-hmm. So these are the top. Which ones of these? Are any of these doing something interesting that 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 uh, has kind of caught your eye? Oh yeah. Um, but you'll be surprised at how simple <laughs> things they're doing, and you say like, how innovative can this be? And the fact that you are just bringing good service to the customer uh, can be innovative when you have a standard of service um, in a market that is definitely not uh, at the same level that the one that you would find in the U.S. So mm-hmm. New Bank did just that. I mean, New Bank is a credit card, regular credit card. There's nothing special about it. But um, they launched the, the card with a super customer service and a uh, total online approach to it, mm-hmm. um, charging lower interest rates, although they have already increased their base interest rates, and uh, no annual fees. Um, mm-hmm. So this was a 
believe it or not, a refreshing approach uh, in the market, coupled with a, with a good app, very good app. And um, so they they caught the eye of investors. Um, it's a former Sequoia guy that is leading this um, this front, and it's actually a, a very successful case of a ramping up of a fintech in Brazil. So I'm, um, um, I like him a lot, and so do and, and, and I think also Guia Bolso did a very good job in uh, bringing something new. Although they tried different things and are still trying to find a way, but. Um, they were and that's able to find PFM, right? It's essentially PFM. That's personal financial management, right? Yeah. But yeah. they're already starting to do credit. That's going to be a challenge for them to remain neutral because they're trying to, and that's a bit catchy. Um, I trust these guys are, are very good, and I admire mm -hmm. them for a lot of the things that they did. But mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how it's going to pan out when they move from a neutral uh, player that is interested solely in uh, providing the customer with the best financial advice and tools mm -hmm. to one that would not only be a marketplace for credit, but also a player as a, uh, a lender. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what the neutrality uh, or the lack of it would play a role in their development uh, on that front, because I think that's where they see the money coming from on the credit front. So I think the other two, you know, Bidu is, a, okay. is an insurance play, right? It's yeah, an insurance right. play, and I think it's... Rate comparison, they, correct? Right, and, and right. I think, um, you know, the, the, the challenge for them here is not to... And I think they, they realized that they couldn't uh, scale with um, a lot of inefficiencies. So, again, a model that was based on an offline model with a lot of customer service and, and, um, and, and, and really human interactions. So they tried to change what they were doing there, and I think they're on the right track now. And Bank Faso is also, uh, they are a marketplace originally for home equity and, um, and for auto loans or personal loans backed by auto. Uh, and, and now they're trying also to expand to a more of a landing play, which is something to be seen. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, I, think, I think, Leo, you might be one of the most curious bankers I've ever come across. I mean, you're in Brazil, but you're all over the world um, looking uh, for startups. You, you, you've, you've spent time here in the U.S., and you're a part of IMV. Um, a startup elsewhere around which is a startup elsewhere around the world that kind of has caught your eye and you think is doing something that's uh that's um uh intriguing well you know i've been in uh, in israel last year in the with uh with the INV and um and i really thought that Peiki, uh the startup that uh, actually was uh, ranked number one in your contest there is a fantastic uh, startup. Um, it's something that is <laughs> so simple when you see it, and you, you you scratch your head and say, "Like, how didn't I think about it before?" And and it's brilliant because yeah. it it's contextual and it's um, and it can really uh, and, and and doesn't compromise a bit of the security on the on the bank side. So I think it's it's a great kind of a startup to mention here. I also saw a lot of different businesses while I was there. 
uh, that are very strong on the cyberspace. And, um, you know, they have a, a forte for, for cyber there. And this is something that's, that, that I'm also and always looking for with a, um, with a view of uh, acquiring not businesses but service to plug in uh, our platform here. So you're about it's about a, a how long how long ago how, how long have you been at uh, Sophie Sigiretto? It's been a year about now. A year, about a year, right? So right. Um, tell me, like, what what's something you've kind of learned from the process? I I, I know you you mentioned uh, something to me before where you said something along the lines of. Uh, you know, an online bank can't only be an online bank. Um, what, what are a couple of lessons that you learned from this experience over the last year? Well, I'll tell you, something that I'm still learning is um, <laughs> <laughs> to remain true to what we intend to be, right? It's very tempting sometimes for you to, to find a shortcut and do something that is offline, um, to either get the extra buck or to shorten your time to market on here and there. And it's okay as long as you remain firm with the north of being online and do not start growing into the different directions, right? And, and I think that's the main challenge here. Before coming to uh, Sophia, I was running a company, uh, as you mentioned there. It was a turnaround, and, and uh, it was a very... It was not uh, great on the online space, and we were doing everything we could to increase margins and uh, try to rescue the company on a difficult situation. And on that front, you, um, your threshold of what you can or cannot do offline versus online is very different. And when you are an online bank and you were born such as, an, uh, you know, you have to think differently. And every decision that you make has to come and resign, you know, whether you're being true to your, to 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 the purpose of that you set yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, was uh, talking to a veteran of the industry uh, last week here in Brazil, and um, was saying, "Look, I tried to do online with home equity before; didn't work as well." And I said, "You know, the challenge you had there was very difficult because you were not an online bank, and you're trying to do something." Uh, online on a different platform. When you are born online and you grow uh, as an online bank, you have to protect uh, your processes, the way you interact with the customer, and the way that you make your investments, not to lose the advantage of having been conceived as an online business, which is very different from an offline bank uh, like the main players here are trying to become online with the big liability of systems, cultures, and, uh, and, and actually assets that are uh, made for the offline world. Leo, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you all very much for joining us uh, in this uh, inaugural episode. Uh, stay tuned to INV Unfiltered for more great podcasts. And again, to learn more about INV Fintech, visit INVFintech.com. We hope to see you in Silicon Valley at Bank Innovation 2017. Until next time, keep innovating and keep it unfiltered.